Welcome to Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana, Wisconsin. We are a non-denominational, Bible-teaching Christian church. Visit us at cometofreedom.com. We hope you're encouraged by God's Word. Here's Pastor Landon Churchill with today's message. Oh, Father, um, yeah, we do thank you for these times that we're able to gather together. And it is good on a Sunday, Lord, to have time distraction-free, just to open your Word to be still, to allow you to speak to us, God. And that's our desire this morning. These guys don't want to hear from me. Lord, we want to hear from you today. So would you please, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to the church. God, and just do a heart check for each one of us, God. We know that you know best, Lord, and you see things going on, Father, that we might not even know. And if there be those things, would you reveal it to us this morning, God? We want to we wanna be changed. We want to be doing things your way. God, thank you so much for your word. Amen? Amen. So I love this parable this morning as Jesus uh, brings up these ten virgins because here we have him continuing on with end-time teachings Chapter 24 was fun. Jesus on the Mount of Olives laying out what will be going on in the last days. But these parables that he begins to share here is a continuation and he really underscores for you and I his call to be prepared upon his return. The Son of Man is going to come again, guys. He's promised it. And he really speaks to that for us here in chapter 25. So the parable of the ten virgins is only found here in the Gospel of Matthew. You won't find it in the other accounts. And we have here a very suspenseful picture of the Lord's own return. And it's a pointed lesson intended to teach us, you and I, to grasp the reality of being prepared. And how important it is that we are prepared. So, I want to note as we read, okay, keep this in mind. It will help us. Jesus is the bridegroom. This is going to play into this parable, okay? The second coming, very important to understand that. His bride is not mentioned at all in these parables. And his bride is who? It's us. It's the church. So, is it speaking to us? No. Can we learn from it? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, the story, the big but here, okay, the line is built around these 10 virgins or guests of this wedding or possibly maids of honor or attendants to the bride representing those Jews right before the second coming of his back to planet Earth. So that will help us a little bit as we read this and look at this. So we're going to look at preparation in the first few verses together. Look at verse 1. Matthew 25, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. 
Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be or not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Now I want to explain to you guys the whole marriage process in ancient Jewish tradition. The prospective groom-to-be left his father's house to go to the prospective bride's house. So Jesus came to earth. That's his first advent. Now the groom negotiated and he would pay a price to secure his bride. And that could be a lot of different things. Hey, I'll give you 20 camels for your daughter. Okay, you know, so glad we don't do that nowadays. Um, anyways, but if we think about it, what was the price paid for you and I? For his, It was his precious blood. Think about that. That's so cool. That was our price. That was our dowry. And once the price was paid, that covenant was then established then they were betrothed, set apart for each other, though they were not married yet. So we as believers are betrothed, we're engaged, we're set apart. Right now, we're awaiting the wedding day. And I can't wait until the groom comes, guys. It's going to be so awesome. We're going to hear the trump of God sound. Come up here! Yes! You know, it's going to be awesome. So I was hoping it was going to happen right then. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so they both drank, okay? They would both drink from a cup, okay? And that would represent the covenant that was just made. And this is symbolic for you and I when we partake in communion. That's something we do every week here at Freedom. We want to remember this covenant. And we do communion what? We do this until he comes, right? That's that piece of bread Brian was talking about. He's coming back. So exciting. So we do that in remembrance of this covenant. So Jesus did that at the Last Supper. So after this, the groom left the bride's house and he went back to his father's house. So Jesus, he left earth, the bride's home, and he went back to heaven. And I go to prepare a place for you, he said pretty cool and that's what they would do hey i got my wife to be okay we've made the covenant arrangements are set now i'm gonna go make a home for her and i'll come back when it's done and i'm gonna get you so during the separation the bride would prepare her wardrobe and get prepared for married life the groom prepared the living accommodations in the father's house okay they would actually literally build onto their dad's house Okay. In my father's house are what? Many mansions or many houses. Okay, Pretty cool to think about. Um, so those are the living accommodations. So invitations at that point then would go out, but all do not accept those invitations. Really? Yeah. How many people have been shared the good news of Jesus Christ and they said, nope, don't like that invitation. You want me to do what? You want me to put my faith in who? To give up my life to follow who? I want to live my own. I want to do my I want to be my own God. I don't want to follow God. Okay, anyways, the point is, <laughs> it, you guys can go back on our, our website, Matthew chapter 22. We saw there the parable of the wedding feast. Jesus laid that out beautifully. 
So the invitations, they go out. It is the same with uh, the call to Christ's wedding. All are invited, but some accept it. After a time, which is determined by the father, the groom, the best man, the other male friends left the father's house at night, okay, in a torch-lit procession to the house of the bride. And Jesus said, I will return again, and I will receive you to myself. You guys understand why it's so important that we understand this Jewish tradition, this history, this culture that they had. So when Jesus is saying these things, it's meaning a much more than what we often think of when it comes to marriage. So the bride was very ex- uh, expecting, okay? She was there at his coming, but didn't know exactly when. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be soon. I know it's going to be soon, but I don't know exactly when. So I'm going to do up my hair every single day, just in case, right? Um, and the groom's arrival, okay, would then be preceded with a shout. So the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a what? With a shout, okay? So the groom received the bride and her female attendants and returned to his father's house. Okay, I will return again. I will receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what Jesus said. So in other words, this is speaking of the rapture. So the bride and the groom entered their uh, bridal chamber to consummate their marriage. And Jewish marriage feast would last for seven days. I think the marriage supper of the Lamb will be the last seven years in heaven that are taking place during the seven years of great tribulation upon planet Earth. What are we doing? He came to get us. What are we going to do during this tribulation? So I think that's probably how it all works out. Then after those seven years, the bridegroom will return with his bride, the church, from his father's house to the earth at midnight to start and enter the new millennium. I want you guys to note, if you're looking here in verse 10, okay, there are two ancient versions of Scripture out there. We have the Syriac version, or the Peshitta, and also the Latin Vulgate, which you guys have probably heard of. We have these old manus- or uh, uh, Scriptures, okay? And here, it, they both read this, and I love it. It says, And when they went to buy, the bridegroom came with his bride. That is what's found in both of those. That's pretty cool, guys. So the Jews in the tribulation will be some of the invited guests privileged to share in this feast. You can jot down Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. It says, And I say to you that many will come from the east to the west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. I can't wait for that, guys. It'd be so cool. Hey, I'm hanging out at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who are you? No way! Abraham! I sing songs about you, dude. Yeah, it's going to be so cool. <laughs> so back to verse 1. The introductory sentence here to this parable really sets the stage. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. So these virgins took their lamps and they went to receive the groom and his bride at his home. So the parable focuses on these ten girls, especially the five 
foolish ones. And that's where we're going to look this morning and really consider them. In verse 2, it talks about the wise and the foolish. It's not the good and the bad. I think a lot of people want to read this parable and think, oh, they were the good ones. They're the ones that made it, and they were the bad ones. No, that's not what it says. Because a lot of us are pretty bad, okay? Aren't we? But we're wise because we've seen our badness, and we see our need of a Savior, and we've humbled ourselves and bowed our knees to Jesus Christ. There's wisdom there. The foolish will say, no, no matter how good a person might be, if they're a fool, they'll say, there is no God. I don't need him. I'll do it myself. That's just foolishness, because I'm good enough. I don't need anybody. So the point is here, we need to reflect on here. It's kind of like those home builders, one built upon the rock and one upon the sand. So the foolish seems to speak of professing believers here. Okay, That's what it looks like Jesus is saying. I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a professor of Jesus Christ. Right. So why does Jesus pick 50%? Have you ever thought of that? Why is it five in five? Well, supposedly all 10 say they're believers. We're in. We're going to go out and meet him, right? Could there be that many pretenders in the church? That's what I want to ask myself. Is there that many pretenders? And guys, I've had a great opportunity over the years to speak to many Christians. Doing the chaplaincy for our county jail for five years, I sat down with many who or asked to see the chaplain, many different faith backgrounds, and spoke with many who were Christians, and I shared the gospel with them. They're like, I've never heard that before. But they called themselves a believer, a Christian. There's a lot out there today that don't even know they're not saved. I think I'm saved. I think I'm good enough. I got baptized in that church. I went forward and said a prayer one time. I'm all good to go. So, verses 3 and 4. What does Jesus say? Those who were foolish, they took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So all ten women are expecting the bridegroom, but only five are fully prepared here. And many believe that this is speaking of a torch instead of that typical indoor little lamp that has a little oil with a little bitty wick. So as outdoor wind you know, could extinguish the flame. So these torches... They would have a long pole with oil-soaked rags on the top, and that oil would last approximately 15 minutes, and that's why they would have to have more oil with them to pour it upon again to keep that flame going. So that additional oil was very important. They would help light the way to the groom's house. So a foolish virgins, these foolish virgins gave no thought to the future. Whatever's going to happen, we don't care. If he comes, great. <laughs> they weren't giving thought to that. They, were, they had no expectation. So the wise, on the other hand, took uh, this precaution to avoid being embarrassed or neglectful. And that's why Jesus in verse 5 says, but while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and slept. Okay? So the charge was not against us going to sleep. Okay? It's okay to sleep, but you need to be prepared, okay? You need to be ready, is what Jesus is saying. Whether you're asleep or you're awake, are you prepared, is what Jesus is getting at. 
And then we see in verse 6 that they came at midnight. Cool. Midnight? What am I doing at midnight? I'm sleeping normally, right? Midnight was also the time of the death angel when he appeared over Egypt. Think about that. That's when he showed up and those that were prepared themselves for that death angel's coming, they were ready. They were prepared. He passed over. Samson snuck into Gaza at midnight, took their gate with him while the Gazites slept. At midnight, Ruth startled Boaz as she lay at his tootsies. And it was in the middle of the night that one harlot was snatched away, the other harlot's live baby, then stood before Solomon. We read about that in 1 Kings 3. And it was at midnight that the friend came to his neighbor for bread. It was, <clears throat> um, it was God who came at midnight and he opened Paul and Silas's prison doors in the D-block. Okay, different from Western culture. Okay, the groom um, was the center of attention. Okay, I've gotten to do quite a few weddings and it's fun because everybody's eyes are always on the bride. Oh, here she comes all dressed in white. Look at her. Everybody stands up. They're smiling, snapping shots of her, you know. And I was like looking at the groom while this is going down. Because I'm like, this is going to be the most excited I ever see this brother, you know. <laughs> and just seeing him lit up, okay. So things are a little different today than they were back then. And then verse 7, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So everyone... Sparked up, the unwise virgins, wicks lit also, probably because they had uh, been saturated with oil, but it was only a flicker for a moment, then out it went. Look at verses 8 and 9. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be no or not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. So give us some of your oil. So they gave a courteous reply and a very decisive one here. Had they shared, they could only go themselves halfway. So the groom would have been disgraced if they would have ran out of oil. And the neat thing in scriptures, guys, when we consider oil, it speaks of the Holy Spirit, okay? And the Holy Spirit cannot be transferred from one human to another. I've always wished I could do that. There's so many people that are just blind, completely blind. You can sit down with them for hours, reason with them. Every stumbling block they may have in coming to Christ, you can blow those apart for them. Well, that's not an issue anymore because this is the truth. And they're still blind, What's going on? And in those instances, I just like, man, Lord, I wish I could just take the Holy Spirit you've given me just for a second. Let them see. Let their eyes be open that they would know that you are God, that you are the Savior, the only way, that what you did on the cross really did pay the price for their sins, that they really could be forgiven, that they too would understand eternal life, which you could save them from. But it can't happen. Look at John or Gospel of John, if you guys want to turn there with me. 
We'll look at verses 12 and 13. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13. One of the hard things as a pastor is there's so many scriptures you'd love to share. So many that speaks to whatever passage we're in. So many. Because the Word of God, you guys know it all fits together. It's beautiful. And it's awesome because there's so many things that aren't said, but other scriptures will actually come in and fill in details. And that's why it's good to know the whole counsel of God. I know some people ignore the Old Testament, but you can't grasp the beauty of the New Testament and the whole of what some of these authors were trying to bring home unless you have that background. So it's hard as a pastor which scriptures to share. And then I got the scriptures I want to share, but which ones do the people, should we have them turn and actually see for themselves? Because it's all good. We should be looking at every single cross-reference we do. But this one in John, I don't know what, but this last week I've gotten to teach three times, and we were in the Gospel of John chapter 1 in every one of those studies. It's just rich. But we're just going to look at verses 12 and 13. It says, But as many as received him, okay, there has to be that decision. Yes, I am going to receive by faith. So everyone that receives Christ by faith received him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. What? You receive Jesus, then you're adopted into his family. You become his child. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, so it's not speaking of heredity or in inheritance nor by the will of the flesh so it's no natural instinct nor of the will of man so it's not by human volition but of god so by the direct supernatural exercise of divine power do you guys understand salvation is a gift from god and god doesn't have grandchildren just because your mom and dad might be believers and you grew up in a Christian home, that doesn't mean you're saved. You can't get into heaven on anyone else's faith. Well, you should hear my pastor. He teaches the word. What a man of faith. Whoop-dee-doo. That ain't going to save anybody. You guys, you have to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Each must answer his own. So we can urge them to prepare but we can't do it for them. I share with people. I love sharing the gospel. And I always tell people, start reading the scriptures for yourself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Get into the word. Start reading for yourself. Start in the gospel of John. Good book to read. Read through that. But I can't make them do it. That's on them. So our lamps are going out. What terrible words. Our lamps are going out. That's not a good thing to say. So those that are putting off their repentance till their dying hour are like these foolish virgins. Are there dead, deathbed conversions, guys? Yeah, it happens. I've seen people right at the end. They know they're going to die soon. Give their life to Christ. Awesome. That's how big the grace of our God is. Okay, He can save anybody at any time. But it's foolish to wait till then. Because we don't know if we have till then. Okay? Man, people die in car accidents every single day. Okay? Are we going to make it home after service today? I have no idea. 
No idea. We don't know. Jeremiah had asked, Jeremiah 2.32, he said this, Can a virgin forget her uh, ornaments and a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Wow. God's people totally forgot. Are you able to make it through a day without even thinking about God? A week? How can you do that? Actually know the Savior, know the creator of all things and not remember him. Life got busy. I had a lot going on. Just totally blanked. Let's not be like that. Let's not be foolish. Young people love to tell about what they're doing. Old people love to talk about what they've done. Foolish people love to talk about what they're going to do. Proverbs 13.9 says, The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Isaiah 62.1 says, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation is a lamp that burns. John 5.35, he, speaking of John the Baptist, was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So neglecting preparations is like an ambassador going to a far country and forgetting his message. I've come all this way to tell you. (laughs) Hang on, I got a call back home. (laughs) Right? Or it's like a being invited guest and you didn't put on his wedding garment. Or it's like the fool who counseled his soul to take ease while the voice of God called him to judgment. So it's all about preparedness, guys. Be prepared. It's all it is. Okay? I think one of the things, I'm not in any ways boasting about, hey, look at the ministry I get to do, but I think the fruitfulness from ministry has come from preparedness. I know myself. I know my weakness. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But I'm willing to prepare. I'm willing to take the time. Hey, I know I have this meeting or this counseling to do or this passage of scripture to teach or this Bible study or this meeting with this unbeliever. Okay? I just don't show up. What's going to happen? There's a preparedness. I want to be ready. And do things always work out the way we think they will? No. But when you're prepared, let me tell you what, even though you might not be able to do and share all that you prepared for, I believe it's very easy for the Holy Spirit to grab something. You've been prepared. You've been hiding my word in your heart. You've been praying over this. Here's the word right now to share. I think preparedness is huge in the life of the Christian, guys. Not just for the coming of the Lord. Yeah, we need to be ready. stuff. But every single day, Do we take that time in the morning? What's my marching orders today, Father? What do you have set before me? Who am I working with? What needs to be done? What are my kids up to? What's my spouse doing? How can I minister to them? Are we prepared in that? Have we prayed over those things? Preparedness is huge. And that brings us to the second point for this morning is procrastination. Let's take a look at verse 10. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut afterward the other virgins came also 
saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So he's pretty straightforward there. Procrastination is the assassination of motivation. Ooh, that sounded cool. Say it again, Pastor. Okay, guys. Procrastination is the assassination of motivation. So five things, the top five things people love putting off to the last minute. One of them, of course, is our house chores, right? How many of you guys have some dishes on the counter right now? Yeah, we have one real brother in this whole channel. <laughs> right? Holiday shopping's another one. Making those doctor or dentist appointments. Don't we love just putting that off, right? Last thing I want to do. Uh, calling relatives is another thing people put off. Okay, when's the last time you called mom and dad? How about changing the oil in your car? Man, I'm getting 20,000 miles off this one. <laughs> it's time, guys. <laughs> so some things are a little bit more important in life, right? Like salvation. You guys understand that's the only, or I shouldn't say the only, it's the most important decision in this life. It's the only thing that really matters, guys. We're all going to die one day. Okay, on my tombstone, it's going to say 1977 till little bitty dash, okay, you know, 2019, hopefully. So, yes, I'm homesick. Um, <laughs> can't wait. But in that whole little dash, 42 years of life, the only thing that matters is what I did with Jesus Christ. What decision was made there? That's the only thing that will matter for all time. Yeah, a lot of things might have happened in that little dash. A lot of things might have got done. How many millions of decisions were made in that little bitty dash? There's only one that's eternal, guys. And that's what we do with Jesus Christ. I'd like to share a poem with you that I thought was cute. Yes, your pastor reads cute poems. I spent a fortune on a trampoline, a stationary bike in a rowing machine, complete with gadgets to read my pulse and gadgets to prove my progress results and all others to show the miles I've charted. But they left off the gadget to get me started. Isn't that cute? <laughs> so verse 10, guys. The lamps of the five virgins without this extra oil were going out. So they had to go searching for oil, but they missed the arrival then of the bridegroom. They missed them. So when they returned, they found that the wedding feast was already in progress and they sought admission, but they were denied. There was no oil shortage. They failed to avail themselves to the Spirit's supply. You guys understand that? Some say, well, God only has enough for only those that he'll choose. <laughs> okay, God loves the whole world, guys. This gift that he wants to give to all. He desires that none should perish. Don't limit him, okay? There's more than enough oil there, Holy Spirit, for all people to be regenerated, to be saved, guys. So, we see here, okay, uh, their, their thing was, hey, we have no oil, <laughs> too late. So how were the others ready? Well, they had their oil. That's how they were ready. They had already bowed their knee. They're saved. They had the Holy Spirit. So readiness was the issue. 
That's what this parable is all about. Readiness was the issue. The point is to be prepared before the groom comes. Before he comes. Do we know when Jesus is coming? No, we don't. Could it be today? Yes, it could be today, guys. In this phrase here, when he says the door was shut, the door sealed in those who were ready and sealed out those who were not ready, just like with Noah's ark. Verse 11 and 12, afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. I don't know you. Those are the scariest words. I'm a Christian. Does God know you? Do you know him? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian. What matters is if you know him. That is eternal life. John 17, 3. So ignorance, guys, of the time of the second coming is not an excuse for neglect, but it is a reason for readiness. So what a terrible death sentence to hear, I don't know you. You can jot down 1 Corinthians 8.3. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Wow. It's, loving, it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance, to turn to him, to give our lives to him. But do we respond to him in love? Do we have that type of relationship? I can't love somebody I don't know. How does that work? How does that happen? Okay, God first loved us. And we respond to that. I hear so many people, I love them. That's why I give money to them. That's an easy out for us as rich Christians living here in America. I'll just throw some money. But you're actually asking me to go spend time with them? To give them a hand? To get to know them? I don't have time for that. Okay, check your heart. Love is a verb. Love does something. And it's real love. So, watch therefore, verse 13. Perpetual awareness is not possible, but perpetual readiness is. So no one knows when the world's second greatest interruption is going to take place, but we know it's going to happen. All people at all times must be prepared personally to go with jesus at any time whether now or in anticipation of jesus coming for his saints the rapture or during the tribulation in anticipation of jesus coming back with his saints the second coming so if you're one of these that are just kind of checking jesus out this morning and all of us are just gone one day get ready Read the book of Revelation, okay? Don't take the mark of the beast. Get saved because he will be coming back seven years later to get you. And you need to be ready. No matter when, we need to be ready. No matter who you are, you need to be ready. Maybe the worst procrastination is when someone understands the good news of salvation through Jesus, but they put off that decision. That's the worst thing. Oh, school starts this week. That's the worst. That's not the worst. The worst is somebody being damned to hell when they actually got to hear the gospel and rejected Jesus. 
That's the worst thing. Why is that the worst, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Because those in hell are going to be sitting there for all time, for eternity. I missed it by that. All I had to do was believe. All I had to do was receive that gift of eternal life. And I didn't. And now I'm in outer darkness, eternal torment for all time. So the issue was they were functioning on fumes. I remember as a teenager, my first car was an 85 Volkswagen Golf. Okay? And let me tell you what. I ran short on cash. And my gas tank was literally on fumes. Well, how many of you guys were like that? You'd pull in, literally, you were past the E. Like you were testing that E. Okay? <laughs> the test was on. You're past. And you got to know pretty quick, like, <laughs> when empty really was empty. And you'd roll in and you pull out some change out of your pocket and you put a couple bucks in because that's all you had. And I still look forward to that day when I finally be able to fill her up. You know, I'm just sad. I can just go, right? So I learned how to run on fumes, okay? And I think a lot of us did that. I think a lot of us still can function on fumes, barely. So have you lived your life thus far running on empty? Okay, I want to share with you guys a song. Running on Empty. It was actually written the year I was born, 1977. Is that on, Jed? Can we hear it? There, there we go. Anybody know who this is? Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown, right? He was recording this. His record was called The Pretender. And he said this in Rolling Stone magazine. I always driving around with my gas in the or no gas in the car. I never bothered to fill up the tank because how far was it anyway? Just few blocks, you know. So when I consider this parable, I always think of this song. Running on empty, you know. And it's one of those things. I think how many people are actually out there just going through that same thing. Okay, we'll cut it off. Guitar solo. Uh, <laughs> But it's one of those things where so many people, they're gambling with the letter E, okay? In your car, it meant empty, but in life, it means eternity. We don't mess around with that, guys. We've been made for more than functioning on fumes. So stop flirting with the fume fellowship like the other five. Here we are. We're hanging out. We believe. Really? Have you been born again? Do you have the spirit of the living God within you? Do you know him? We are told to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture says. Be filled to overflowing, guys. And continue to enjoy being filled daily. That's the beauty, man, of being in the presence of God. Man, nothing better than those times of refreshing. Nothing better. So be prepared ahead of time. Okay, for either the rapture, or you that might miss it, the second coming of Christ. But be prepared. Don't procrastinate. I want to read to you guys out of Ephesians 5, and we're going to wrap up with this. It's from the New Living Translation in verses 15 to 20. It puts it this way. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. 
Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So are you prepared? That's the question this morning. Are you prepared? There was the North Pole Expedition, 19th century explorers of the Franklin Expedition who tried to reach the North Pole. Annie Dillard, author in her book, Teaching the Stone to Walk, describes the provisions. Catch this, you're going you're gonna to chuckle how foolish this is. They took provisions for their hazardous journey. Each sailing vessel carried auxiliary steam engine and a 12-day supply of coal. 12-day supply of coal for the entire projected two- to three-year voyage. Instead of additional coal, guys, catch what they put on their boats. The ship made room for 1,200-volume library, a hand organ playing 50 tunes, China place settings for the officers and men, cutting glass wine goblets, and sterling silver flatware. The expedition carried no special clothing for the Arctic, only the uniforms of Her Majesty's Navy. Are you prepared, guys? Are you prepared? Think. Be reasonable. Be logic. logical. What is God asking? Imagine heading to those frigid wastelands with no supplies like that. What utter folly. Imagine heading into eternity unprepared spiritually. What utter folly. Let's stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. I just had a zillion scriptures run through my head. Um, Matthew seven twenty one is one of those passages that haunt me. One of my best friends, Andrew, is in town from uh, California. He flew in for the weekend. And he asked me yesterday, um, just in light of preparation for Sunday morning here, you know, What's in your, or actually, it might have been this morning. It was this morning. What's in your heart for today? And I told him, the burden, what's in my heart today, is I worry about Freedom Fellowship. I want to hope that everybody that comes to church knows Jesus or really saved. But I don't really know that because I can't see their hearts. I don't know if you're really saved or not. I've seen a lot of good people give lip service to Jesus and walk away from the faith. Were they ever saved? Probably not. I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I know me. I know Jesus. There's no way. I know I could be dumb and foolish and hard in my heart, but I can never deny him. There is no way I could ever deny him. I know him. To say he doesn't exist and he's not God and he's not the Savior of this world and he's not the only way, that's foolish. There's no way. But my heart, guys, is that you would all know Jesus. There's so many things we could be doing. 
there's only one thing that's needed, guys, is that you know Jesus Christ. And everything else seems to work out in life when that happens. We need him. We need his Holy Spirit within us. I don't want to be those of Matthew 7, 21 who say in that day, Lord, Lord, look at all the things we've done in your name. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's scary. I want to be those of Isaiah 55 who say, Ho! Don't waste your money for what is not, what is not bread, but come to me and eat freely, he says, that your soul may live. God came to give us life and life abundantly, guys. And we get to come to him as we are and freely partake of all that he has. He has so much for us as his kids. It's beautiful. But you don't get to enjoy those things unless you know him. Okay? It's for his kids. So I want to encourage you guys. Be wise. Seek the Lord. Read Proverbs. Get an understanding of the gift his word is to those who believe. Okay? That's what we get to gain in this life. He's given us much. So dig deep, guys. Pray for new hungers in your heart that your soul may be satisfied in him. Some of us have been in the Lord for a while. Some of us might have been on cruise for a while. Man, I believe that God wants to keep stirring us up and keep working on us until we see him in glory. Amen? So Father, I pray that for my brothers and sisters this morning and myself. Lord, would you please just do a work in our hearts like never before. God, we know that you look upon those with a contrite, broken spirit, God, and you're looking for those that will tremble at your word. I pray that would be the case here, Father, that you would find us just open before you, being real, Lord. And I would pray, Father, for any here, God, that don't know if they're really saved or not. Maybe they're in that place where they've just always gone along with church because that's what you do, but they've never come into a relationship with you. If they're deceived in any way, God, would you reveal that to them, Lord, that they would truly bow their knee, Father, and cry out to you for salvation. God, that they would find you personally and have eternal life, God. And help us, Lord, as we considered Isaiah, or I mean Psalm 51 earlier, Lord, God, about your Holy Spirit within us, that we would go and we'd make your ways known, Father, to the unbeliever. Give us those opportunities this week to shine brightly for you, Jesus. This world needs to hear. It's dark out there. So help us to shine brightly for your glory. Amen? Amen. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash Church.